Hello, and welcome to Dig It. I'm Peter Brown, and hosting the show with me today is Chris Day. Hi, Chris. Hi, Peter. So, October in the garden. It's it's getting nippy, Peter. Definitely getting on the, the, the sweater weather, isn't it, as they I say? It's sad, isn't it? A couple of weeks ago, <laughs> I, I think I put my first sweater on for yep. a good few months. It I know. Definitely cooling down. And you got one degree, was it? Yeah, yep, just over, yeah. That's, that's right. Some of my container plants really got hit. It went down to one degree. And uh, yeah, good old good old coleus. Nice, reliable bedding plant. However, the uh, the red and uh, gold variety didn't like it at all. Got really shriveled at the ends. Yep. And I thought it might have just been a one-off occasion. But no, the other pots, which I've got the same planting showed it elsewhere around the garden so uh, definitely such not a shame isn't it when yes you get an early really cold night and the slightly tender plants get kicked back but the, you know we were talking the other week about or the other month should mm. i say now um about the early autumn and lots mm. of trees dropping their Indeed. leaves one of our neighbors asked me he, he'd planted some oak trees and half of the tree has defoliated right but the bottom half of the tree is okay. That's interesting. So the top of the plant obviously is the furthest point from the roots. So what the plant's doing is equalising things, isn't it? It's, it's doing a little bit of a, a false autumn. A, a, a yeah. half autumn. Half autumn, yes. <laughs> half all. So I was right in telling him to just leave it and not dig it out just yet. Oh, no. should be absolutely fine. Remember... When your trees do this, they are going into a what we like to call a self-preservation mode. They're just shutting down because the conditions are just not suiting it and it, it can't take up enough moisture. But oaks are pretty resilient plants. And as long as they're, they've got a good strong root system, they're usually okay. Excellent. Well, hopefully, because mm. he only planted it in the, in the winter of last year. For so sure. hopefully it, yeah. it'll, it'll pull through next year. Indeed. But that's the thing, isn't it, at the moment, Peter? I mean, lots of obviously trees are showing signs. We've had obviously some welcome rain, but perhaps still not enough. And uh, they are in limbo at the moment. So well, I couldn't believe it. I took the dog for a walk uh, around the park the other day. And mm-hmm. I reckon there were some cracks about 18 inches deep mm. and yeah. a good sort of three inches wide at the top. I've never seen... No. Uh, and this was on grassland, not Goodness. sort of. Sometimes you see sort of fields with mm-hmm. big cracks, but that's where they're just a sort yeah. of dry mess. Whereas Indeed. this was a planted area. I was yes. amazed. But yeah, it's all to do with our soil structure, and I suppose as we're we're going into the month of October, it's it's all about getting soil preparation ready for that. But I'm sure we'll touch on that a little bit later on. Yes, and today I saw Manos in the garden centre, mm-hmm. our orchid expert. Indeed. So, if you didn't manage to catch him at one of his talks, by all means, have a listen. Go back to May 21 in our feed and you'll be able to get some pointers from him and learn a little bit more about your orchids. Yeah, he was. He went down a, a storm, as they say, uh, the garden centre, and it was really good that uh, we're getting some really nice feedback from our customers. And at the end of the day, you know, you want to learn, when you go to a, a presentation, If you, I always say, if you only learn one new fact you're doing well it's a good day yeah. it is a good day and he certainly is a great energetic his enthusiasm you know shines through which uh, which which goes down goes down a long way to a subject like orchids which can be a little bit mind-blowing to say the least there's a lot to learn yep. you can put it in a nice uh, congested way and enjoy it enjoy and, and, and get the enthusiasm from somebody 
Definitely. He, I mean, he absolutely mm. loves the, the, yeah. his subject, doesn't he? He does. He's got a real true passion, so well worth mm. a listen mm-hmm. if you haven't heard it. Indeed. And what have we got coming up at the Garden Centre? We've got some more events coming on, haven't we? We have, and uh, we, we kick-start the beginning of the month, the 1st and 2nd of October, with our Apple Weekend. Um, All right, the, okay. Yeah, yep. yep. So we've got good old Jerry Edwards yep. joining us, our RHS fruit expert, and he will be on hand throughout the weekend offering wonderful advice on identification so if you're popping down to the garden center bring and you want a an apple variety identifying get yourself a couple of fruits maybe three if you can some of the foliage from the apple tree as well Uh, bring yeah don't don't cut the whole tree down but bring some some bits of the tree branch and he will then obviously endeavor to get a variety for you we he's never normally stumped his jerry but he does have to have a little bit of a think between some of the varieties because obviously there's so many varieties. Well, there's over two thousand varieties of apples out there, um, which is quite quite scary. I'm sure we don't get all those in, but we certainly get probably thirty or forty different varieties on each of our event weekends. We've also got the Midshires Orchard Group, uh, who will be uh, pressing apples and creating some lovely uh, apple juice. And okay. they will be on hand to give you lots of advice on, uh, on on growing apple trees as well. And we've got the CPR, which is a the, the country charity joining us for the first time this year and they're basically promoting hedgerows in the UK right. which I think is a really good cause they've got yeah. a, and they're going to be really sort of get, getting and mustering in on the whole idea that we need to be doing more for our hedgerows which of course as a, as a nursery we, we actively promote anyway but this is an endorsement by a charity which is even better and uh, we've got Beaubont with us too the uh, wildlife charity uh, representing Berkshire Buckinghamshire and Oxfordshire, and yep. we've also got our best dressed uh, apple competition, which we've uh, contacted loads of schools. We're just hopeful they're going to bring some wonderful entries in, okay? And we're going to have some really uh, interesting decorated apples for judging on the, on the Saturday. Fantastic! And don't forget Chrissy and the owls. Of course, yes, she's you in as well, isn't she? She is indeed on, on the Saturday. Chrissy's here, a good, a, an excellent uh, Oxfordshire-based. Charity Chrissy does so much for the preservation and obviously the the well being and caring of owls, and uh, it's quite a few years since Chrissy's been with us. I was looking, looking, it's about seven or eight years since she was last with us. So it'd be great to welcome her back as too. And if that wasn't all enough, Peter, we've got on the Sunday, of course, our honey show. Yes, the North Bucks Beekeepers Association mm-hmm. coming in, and I think that anyone who's in sort of the area is able to enter, mm-hmm. but. If you're a, only if you're a member of that group, you can win a trophy, but you can Ooh, still win yes. a prize if you want to enter. So if you've got bees, you've got some honey or some wax or mm. one of the other classes you can enter. It's, uh, you know, as an outsider of, 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 of beekeeping, I always find it fascinating that there's so many different colours, textures to those yep. those jars. And, uh, uh, you know, I think the, the judge has quite a bit of a... Uh, well, there's so many entries as yeah, well. It's, mm-hmm. it's always amazing to see sort of all the jars and jars and jars of yeah. honey lined up. And mm-hmm. like you say, how they all different colours and things. Indeed. So that's happening on the Sunday between 10 and 4. And then I think around about 3 o'clock is the, is the, uh, the medals and trophies presentation right. which is always a, a nice end to our, our weekend too so a busy packed uh, apple weekend excellent and then the following weekend it's water perry 
Gardens Apple Weekend. Waterbury's just down the road in Oxfordshire, mm. isn't it? It's not a million miles. No, wonderful gardens. If uh, you know, have never been, it's, it's certainly a lovely garden. Obviously, well known for its orchards. They produce lots and lots of fantastic apples there, and obviously they've got a, a wonderful uh, landscape gardens too. So. Again, it's going to be a sort of similar sort of setup to our, our weekend as well. So they'll have a lot of opportunities. So if you're in the Oxfordshire area and you can't make our event, then uh, yeah, pop down and, and enjoy their gardens too. Excellent. And on Saturday the 15th of October, there's an autumn fair over at Harcourt Arboretum in Oxfordshire. I've never been to this particular Arboretum, Peter. It's really, mm-hmm. I've driven past it so many times and it's got a wonderful entrance and it's very alluring, but I've never been. Yeah, so the, the Arboretum is... Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's got 130 acres, Peter, okay. of, of fantastic trees, and it includes some of the oldest redwoods in the UK to, to enjoy. Yeah, a good, a good time of the year to go and have a visit, I would say. Definitely. We're coming into autumn now, I guess. All mm. the autumn colour, if they've got any aces there, oh, they always wonderful. look nice, don't they? And the maples, and yeah, I, I love autumn for... The childhood thrill of just going and kicking piles of leaves, if nothing and there's else. There's nothing wrong with that at all, <laughs> is there? Yeah. So the the, the Upton Fair will have the usual sort of mix of, of food, live music, and all that sort of stuff, which is, sounds a really good day out, actually. Brilliant, yeah. Enjoyed hopefully that. the yeah. weather will stay nice for them. Indeed, yes. That's it. And then Garden Organics, mm. they've got a, is it an open day? Yeah, it's a, it's a proper guided tour, a garden-guided tour of the, okay. of the gardens, which doesn't come round that often by the looks of things, and you've got to get a, a full insight on how the, those wonderful uh, demonstration gardens work. And uh, obviously, it's, it's the whole area of obviously sustainability. Yep. So if you're thinking about getting into organic gardening, perhaps uh, a trip down to uh, Garden Organics over in uh, Wrighton. That's just near Coventry, isn't it? It's just outside yeah, it's Coventry. Yeah, Coventry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a million miles away. And obviously, they have the they grow all the heritage seeds mm, there, don't they? They do indeed. So you might see some of the harvesting of that as well. And of course, uh, it's timely as we chatted right at the beginning of this year. Peter to Katrina Fenton, didn't we? And uh, yeah. on the podcast as well. So yeah, yeah. it was a really interesting podcast. I quite enjoyed doing that one. I think, it, yeah, we learned so much about the whole process of, of, of well, the, the whole the preserving of our future, really, in the form of seeds. Definitely. And in the news recently, I saw, I mean, obviously, the very sad passing of the Queen, but there's been a lot of plants named after her, hasn't there? Has, yes, it's, it's interesting. Brilliant. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, probably the most popular one, certainly I've got, I've got one in my own garden, is, of course, the Clematis Montana Elizabeth. Um, okay, yeah. I think everybody and everybody who likes Clematis and they want something fast-growing in the garden will go for a for a Montana. And, and Elizabeth is wonderful, and that was back, named back in the 1950s by by Jackman's. And okay. yeah, and it, it is said to be one of the first um, plants named after the Queen. Brilliant, because I mean, she's mm. such a character, and mm. I mean, every year you'd see her going to Chelsea, mm. and I mean, she was clearly massively into her plants. And the fact that Charles has got such a lovely garden at Highgrove, mm. you've got to think, well, well yeah, I have to thank my parents for introducing me to plants, and Indeed. I think it's one of those sort of things that does get handed down through the generations and it's definitely a, a, a lovely yes hobby to have isn't it most definitely and, and i think uh, certainly when they were doing all the, the wonderful tributes to the queen uh, over the over the sort of funeral period it was interesting that um, there's obviously lots of references to the the plants used in the the bouquets with on you know on, yeah. on a coffin a lot of those plants came from highgrove and sandringham um, yeah. Which was which was wonderful. Well, and the oak for the um, coffin was yeah. grown well, at Sandringham. Indeed, yes, yes, yes. 
And, and you know, like you're saying about Chelsea, I mean, she incredibly did over 50 visits to Chelsea and she only missed it literally a handful of times. Wow. So that in itself is a, an insight that she was there. And of course, the RHS, you know, they, they took it on with the Royal Horticultural Society. The Royal Horticultural Society was yep. the Queen being the patron. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to that patronage. And I'm sure King Charles will... Hopefully will carry it on. I would I'm hope sure so. Will, I will yeah. hope so, Hopefully yeah. But uh, yes, and of course we you know we see those uh, those wonderful images of the Queen back in May in her uh, in her buggy getting yep. around to all the exhibitors as well. So uh, yeah, a, a wonderful you know testament that you know horticulture is, is such an important part. And of course, of course, this year got the the green canopy campaign, which of course yep. was all set up to encourage us to plant more trees. Which I I have heard, Peter, is going to be extended till March next year. Okay. To to, to obviously bring in this next planting season, which I think is going to be a really good way of uh, bringing it to everybody's attention in these uh, in these, these sad times. That's it. And there was a, a rose we've talked about mm. before, isn't it? That was named after her more recently. Than That's the right. Year. That was this year, or was it last year? It was, it was, it was this year. But what's happened is, if we're all familiar with our roses, we know we have a Queen Elizabeth rose that's been around yeah. for for many years. However, it was. Hartness Roses, the, the wonderful rose breeders down in over in Hertfordshire, brought out a new one which was in celebration of the Platinum Jubilee, and yeah. it's called the Queen Elizabeth II Rose. Okay. Um, and the idea of that was to be was to be launched this autumn, and uh, and so it has obviously now become a, a commemoration rose for for the Queen, and it's going to be available in, in garden centres uh, as we go into the month of October. So look out for it. Um, mm. And I think we're I think garden centres are going to be quite restricted in numbers at this, this for the first. I should imagine it will sell yeah. out in the first season. Right? I think it will. Yes, yes. But we have got uh, we have got some coming in, but not many. So uh, <laughs> you'll need to, to have first first dab on those when they when they arrive but it is a lovely lovely rose nice fragrance a lovely wonderful um pretty color isn't it yes yes can i say feminine color it's a soft love i think it's a lovely soft color if you saw the queen with that that rose you'd know it'd be the right rose for 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 her her. yeah most definitely yeah so with apples falling to the ground now isn't it the winds of course up a bit and there's certainly. I went to play tennis the other day, and our tennis club's got an apple tree overhanging one of the areas, and I had a lovely apple. I, I lovely don't know what, what make it was, but it was a lovely <laughs> red one. And I, uh, I think that's half of the fun of when you pick an apple up off the floor. Is is it going to be a sweet one, or is it, it going to be a cooker? Indeed, that's the, yeah. Or is it going to be a dual purpose one, the best of both worlds, isn't it? That's yes. It. Yeah. So with that in mind, mm. uh, we thought we'd share with you this month our top five apple mm. maiden, maiden selling best selling maidens, wasn't it? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. So this is as, as up to date as we could find, Peter, because at the end of the day, we want to keep things as as topical as possible. Yeah. Um, so this is our top five selling ones for the season. Uh, which ended in the spring. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in reverse order, sharing the, the fourth spot, if you like, Egremont Russet, uh, which obviously is a good, well-flavoured variety. It's it's an old variety. It's been yeah. around donkey's years, and it's sort of stood the test of time. Equally with Arthur Turner, which, of course, is a, a great cooking apple, um, certainly one of our, obviously, more popular varieties, perfect for pie sauces, baking. The great virtue of it is you don't, you don't need a lot of sugar to get you don't have that sort of tartness with it ah, which is which okay. is quite important yeah can be a bit of a problem with the gold bramley um and obviously it's a very hopper heavy cropper as well in mm. third place and not unsurprising we all love cox's orange pippin 
but it's not Cox Orange Pippin. It's the the self fertile variety, which is Cox's self fertile. Okay, which, but it's the same. It's very very similar. Very, isn't yeah. it? I mean, you wouldn't know the difference no, in taste no, and not. the fact it doesn't need you know because the orange pippin mm. has to be crossed with another orange pippin or another sort of one from the i can't remember the clock is yeah it? group two isn't it so it's yeah it's a second grouping of the apples so a lot of the varieties will do it but if you've only got limited space and you want a really nice tasting apple this is the one to go yeah, for the self-fertile version yeah definitely. and uh, and it, it is certainly um a, a one to to enjoy and hence that's why it's obviously popular in the the supermarkets and of course if we get the taste of a, of a variety then that sort of travels into the garden in second place we've got james greve which um again dual purpose so you can cook with it and you can eat it off directly from the tree very good for creating a nice uh, stewed apple Okay. well for that got good disease resistance and also uh, as well as excellent flavor it is also partially self-fertile mm. so you know if you you know you're struggling you're wanting a, a variety to give you a, a, some use in the uh, for, for cooking that would be a good one in first place and i was a little bit surprised that i was almost expecting the bramley to be there but no it's apple discovery Mm, that's interesting yes. isn't it? yeah i mean to me the bramley apple pie is mm, oh, a nice puff pastry on the top oh, it's the best it I, I love it but equally an eater's uh, mm. or discoveries is a good cooking apple isn't it it so is indeed does. and i was going to say the question is peter with um with a, a wonderful apple pie or an apple crumble is it is it custard or ice cream for me always custard good but, agreed there definitely. or cream or cr- ah right. If it's a cold apple tart, yeah, I, I, I'll quite happily put some nice double cream on there, or double even some clotted cream. cream. Oh my, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, to yeah. make it. Yeah, good yeah, perfect. Yes, that's good. But yeah, I mean, going back mm-hmm. to the fourth place Egremont Russet, I personally I can't believe it wasn't in first place because yeah. that that would that's be my first indeed first yeah. choice. But yeah. Everyone has different flavours, don't they? They do, and, and it's really good. This, I mean, this top five also represents, you know, the fact that these are all got generally good disease resistance, which, of course, we want when we're planting a, any, anything in our gardens these days as well, isn't yep. it? Which is, which is good. But, uh, yeah, apple discovery then, top dessert apple, wonderful crisp flavour, and obviously very sweet. And, uh, yeah, it's our number one. Fantastic. And with the bedding season now, well, hanging baskets are starting to look a bit tatty and... Holding on like a thread, I'd say, aren't they? (laughs) I was thinking, do I just give up watering mine now and put it out the back for replanting next year i think it's a getting to that time of year isn't it yeah i think it's always a problem isn't it i mean certainly a lot of my containers are, are, are sort of having a bit of a second wind because we've had obviously some cooler conditions i mean it's just getting the momentum to to keep feeding them and watering them isn't it okay. when you're running out of the routine of the hot summer you know and the warm sunshine our, our days are getting so much shorter now so that's having yep. a bit of an impact but i think if you've got containers looking okay you know, keep them going for keep another month going. or so because okay. we've got plenty of time, haven't we, to, to get those spring bulbs in. So yeah, um, yeah you, you enjoy enjoy it. But uh, it's yeah. interesting, Peter, the um, Ball Colgrave, which obviously we had uh, the lovely Stuart Lowen on our uh, podcast last year when we yep. were chatting about bedding plants. Um, they invite the audience who go to their trade shows to vote for their favourite 
bedding plants. Yeah, it's a fun. I mean, yeah. it's such a brilliant day where you get to see so many oh, bedding plants. I mean, um, unfortunately, it's only open to the trade, so we're the only ones that get to experience it. But I, I loved it, and I must say, yeah, the idea mm. of being able to sort of put a vote together that, as to which ones the really mm. the favourites and which because uh, you went this year. I went this year, yeah. And I, where I, did you put your blue sticker? I, I, I think I did put it um, in the well. It was one of the zinnias, which I can't remember. It was the zesty orange, which actually came third. But I, right, I, I might stand corrected there. But so uh, that came third, which of course zinnias are wonderful plants. And mm. yeah, and again, if we get the summer we've just enjoyed, they positively thrive. You know, they do so well when the the sun shines and it's, it's warm. Um, in second place was the, the petunia bee's knees. Right. Bright yellow, as the name sort of suggests, um, and that came out. But the one which picked up the the, the uh, which has picked up loads of awards this year is the impatien, this wonderful double impatien uh, called apple blossom, um, okay. glimmer apple blossom, and it does produce these wonderful double flowers, which are almost like little roses. That's probably the best way of describing them. Right. And I've got one plant at home, and it's uh, I've, I've been trialing it, and it's just started to run out of steam now. But it's just been covered by I don't know thirty, forty flowers Brilliant. For, for the last sort of seven or eight weeks. Excellent. So that in its case, um, but it's interesting, you know, they they also do at the um, the trials, Peter, um, top perennials because Bullcold Grave are looking at the opportunity now, and I think with the way we're we're changing the way we do our displays in pots using yep. perennials at the garden centre here, we've got a, a two nice pots planted up, and the Delphinium I've just walked past it today is looking amazing. Okay. It's, it's sent up yet another flower spike. Wow. Um, and it's interesting that the top place for the uh, the top perennial went to a red delphinium called red lark brilliant so that's you know delphiniums most people think of as you know cream or sort of sometimes the pinks or obviously the typical blue those wonderful yep. royal blues but actually this new one looks like it's going to sort of take the the garden centers by storm i, I can't wait for it to to out, be out and about to, to purchase yeah brilliant now we'll look forward to hopefully seeing that next year. hopefully yes and i see courgettes have been in the news recently chris i mean Kirkabita mm. Pipo, which you know, that's a Latin name, I think I pronounced that. Indeed. I, I see. I mean, my favourite is, I'm going to say Globe, which is a little, well, I, I harvest it when it's about the size of a tennis ball. Mm-hmm. It's a green, a green, green round ball. one. Mm-hmm. And I was just blown away by the flavour. Fried, fr- fried in butter. Oh, Absolutely yeah. amazing. I mean, I, I love courgettes and... Mm. I've grown the yellow ones, and mm-hmm. I've grown sort of Defender and a few of the standard green ones, but I've never been blown away by the flavour of the yellow ones, and the, the green ones have, have been perfectly nice, but mm. this Globe one is a good one. absolutely yeah. amazing. But yeah. the, the, they've they found some more, haven't they? Yeah, they have. They've, they've been doing a, an amazing trial with the RHS, uh, and they've actually trialled was it um, seventy varieties. So you're saying about Defender and a few of these yellow. There's a lot more out there, Peter, yeah. isn't there? Uh, and that's the thing. And what they try and do is they bring all the seed companies together to basically. Um, so they can really see which is going to perform best, which gives perhaps the best crop, best disease resistance, and then they're properly uh, scrutinised, okay. and uh, then awards are given. You know, gongs are given for the for the best, and they get proper medals. And that information then will then go on to your seed packets when you're choosing your varieties of courgette next next January, February, when you're thinking about which ones to grow, you will see the Flora Select little uh, symbol or logo, yep. and you know that it's. You know, it's the past, past the test there. Well, I, I think that 
such a brilliant plant to grow mm. because even I can manage it, which is uh, <laughs> in my book <laughs> anything I'd have a great success with. I, I like it, I, I do like, but yeah. And I'm always amazed. We obviously we grow quite a number at the garden centre here. I'm just amazed yeah. how they just get on with it, don't they? They just they put, the, put the roots down, they're in good, good soil, I have to say. The, the soil's been well prepped, but they, uh, they, they're on a mission, aren't they, to flower and produce fruit to the point where they come to the point where perhaps Mother Nature or, or unfortunately disease comes along, which sort of slightly, slightly blights them, which, yep. as we all know, that's been a bit of a problem this year with the, with the heat. But, uh, yeah, because yeah. the ones here at the garden centre mm. got fungus on mm. their leaves, didn't yeah. they? Now, mine did a little bit mm. at home on the allotment, but it's probably because I was taking far less care of them. They've been a bit toughened up a bit earlier in the year. But no, I think the best thing with them is the fact that they just massively overproduce. In mm, like, for me, you only need like a couple of plants, That's and it. off they go, and you've got courgettes for the year. That's, That's it. Brilliant. Yeah, and I think as well we're in a situation that where choosing varieties, go for disease resistance, should be always on your, your priority with with courgettes because there's nothing really you can spray preventatively against the, the mildew. So yep. I mean, there are a couple of products which you can spray to coat the leaves to deter the problem. Um, most of them are based on seaweed extract, which work reasonably well. However, okay. just choose a good variety with the best of the flavour, yep. hopefully a Flora Select uh, um, medal uh, attached yep. to it, and then you're, you're going to be halfway there, aren't you, for, for a good crop? Definitely. And I see Pete's... Um, in, again, well, it's always in the news, isn't it? It is. It, it, now, they, they finally... Put a, a rough date, haven't mm. they? The government have decided they've got a, a rough idea when they want to ban it, but they haven't quite nailed down the precise date of when they that's, want it off our shelves. But 2024... It's looking good. Yes. ...is when we won't be able to buy any beaten bags of compost anymore, which, I mean, I think the general consensus is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But how have you sort of finished your trials for yes, this year how, how have you got on chris yeah so right at the beginning of for spring basically i was trialing four um products um, two of them were, were well one of them was um uh, one of the, the, the big named home base types which got the best buy from which i did also try uh, uh, an aldi products and then our two products we, we sell at the garden center here which is the, the miracle grow and yep. the new horizon Okay. Um, and I have to say, you know, getting towards the end of the season now, um, yes, the the home base one didn't quite come. To, it was difficult to use. It did dry out incredibly quickly. And my tomatoes have grown quite well. They've had a good crop off them. Um, but I have to say, the New Horizon, um, which of course is the the Western product, seems to have edged out. It's been a bit more consistent. Okay. In the growing, oh, and, cer- and certainly my containers and my, my bedding plants, especially at the moment, my me, um, me displays are still looking good. The, the, the wetting issues is obviously we we're all aware of those, but consistently that one seems to have been the most managed. I've, I've felt comfortable using it. Okay. If, if that's an indication. Yeah. Um, maybe next year I'll, I'll look at, at the, the trial again. Maybe use some of the, the other products, which obviously the more expensive ones, the Melcourts, the the Sylvia varieties of products which of course command a lot more money you know double the price and see how they fare um but uh, i think we we, we're all aware that there are issues with these products and we've just got to get on with it and let's hope in the next few months you know things improve and we get well you can only hope that the suppliers i mean they've had another year of Mm. i should imagine trialing different uh, different mixtures and Mm. you hope 
that next year they'll bring up yeah. some new improved ones. Indeed, if we start seeing that on the bags, that might be good. A little bit more information and advice on the on that packaging as well would go a far, far... Yeah, yeah, just if you haven't used them yet, be aware. Give them a really good soaking before you do plant anything yeah. up in them. And, and it's probably worth mentioning, Peter, you know, if you're listening to the podcast and you've had some good experiences with any of these products, you know, yeah. any of the, let us know, you know, because, you know, there the just might be a, a magical formula out there which we're not, we're not covered, or something that you've done to that compost to make it more workable and work for you and your, your plants. Definitely. We'd, we'd love to, to share that with everyone. That'd be really helpful. And some violas have had the thumbs up from the RHS, haven't they, Chris? They have, yes. Yeah. So as we've been talking about uh, plants with, with merit, um, they do a lot of, the RHS do a lot of assessing of varieties. And they've assessed 220 varieties, which they've grown across all their main gardens over at, uh, at Hyde Hall okay. uh, in Essex. And two varieties have picked up, you know, the, the, the top awards. Um, wow. Yeah, which is good. One's called, um, we've got Bel, Belvisa um, Yellow Jump Up and a dark red, uh, yeah, dark uh, rocky black, um, which obviously great colours for using in containers and hanging baskets. Mm. Well, I always think dark coloured pansies offset a nice sort of pale grass or a nice vertical form mm, plant they, yeah. they do look nice don't they they do and work well with hookahs and hookahrellas these days as well a lot of people put those into their their containers too and of course the great virtue with violas is they apart from a little bit of deadheading they they're really tough and really resilient for the winter and i like eating them and of course, yes, you can take a few. I don't those. know if these ones are edible. They ones, will be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they yeah, are. They are. Thank goodness. Yeah. It was a lovely peppery taste to it. I mean, you yes. just chuck a couple on uh, salad, and mm. they just add a little bit of extra flavour. Yeah, a little bit of thing. Yeah, and of course, when the these particular varieties do well, they often get the opportunity of having that wonderful They have this wonderful accreditation of the RHS. Award of Garden Merit, the AGM, which of course our customers are always familiar with. And you know, when you go around garden centres, look out for that little symbol, little uh, trophy yep. sign, and it just means you're getting a really good plant. You know, a plant which has been well tested and trialled, and uh, will will do well. But uh, no, violas are really good, good plants. And uh, you mentioned about uh, whether they were were uh, edible. Of course, another big story to come up on the the books is the. The new listing from the HTA. Mm, yes, poisonous plants. Mm. <laughs> the ones we shouldn't be eating. It or our, pet, our pets shouldn't be eating it either did. now, is it? It's, uh, it's brilliant. They've enlarged the scope of the uh, sort of list to mm. include ones that are now harmful to... Is it dogs and cats or just dogs? Yeah, so they've, they've done it through the Veterinary Poisons Information Service. So they've looked at this. So the the listing we used to have was just basically us humans. Right. Now they've extended it across to to, to our pets. Okay. So that would be cats and dogs. Brilliant. Um, and it's a big, mighty list. Uh, we'll put the link on the, the, the show notes, Peter, but you can download it. But it's about 27, 28 pages long. Okay. But if you... If you download it as a PDF, you can do a search on it, just do a, a control F and yep. tap in the plant and it'll take you straight to that that variety or Perfect. species. Well, if you know I guess the only thing is mm. so often when your your dog has just eaten something, you're thinking 
I don't even know what it is. It so did. first you've got to identify what of it course. is, and then you've got to yeah. pop it in. But yeah, at least it's a definitive list, which is a great resource, isn't it? Very much so. Yeah. And that was sort of sadly lacking with this one. And this is updated. So what it means for for uh, for the garden centre and for the nursery world is that when we're doing our labelling, we can make sure that either the the grower puts a label on to indicate whether the plant is toxic. Or yep. we in house can put that information on as well. I mean, there's not very many plants which are highly toxic to both man or, or animal, but there's a lot which are irritants, yep. uh, which we need to be aware of, uh, whether they're skin irritants or if you get the sap on your your skin, or obviously they're ingested. So you it's just being you know very aware of that. And as we know, you know like potatoes, you know potato tops, the green are there poisonous. Yep. And of course, the tubers, if they've got, if they're nice and white and they've been under the soil, they've not got any extra light, are, are obviously perfect to eat. So you have to be a little bit careful. Yep. Um, but to have a look through this guide is is an education, <laughs> to okay. say the least. And it's a, you know, it's a free resource to to uh, to view. And that's at uk dot point forward slash poisonous plants, isn't it? That's but the way like you say. We'll put that in the show notes for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And it's that. Time in the show, Chris, where we have to get our welly boots on. Well, mm. not really at the moment because it's not quite wet enough. But no, but, uh, get our jackets on at least and get back out in the garden. And what challenges are, uh, which should we be tackling at the moment? Then? Well, there's quite a bit, isn't it? Unfortunately, nature comes along and uh, uh, we started to get obviously the leaf fall now. So if you've got lots of trees, you know, casting all their their leaves over your lawn, then obviously you don't want them to be hanging around because obviously that's going to deprive the poor lawn of more light. It's had a bad enough experience this year with drought, hasn't it? So yeah. try and, you know, regularly lift your, your leaves off the lawn and off, off your beds and borders as well. Um, yep. It can be a, a pretty endless, thankless task, especially as if you have a lot of trees overhanging into your garden, it can mean that you're going to be doing it regularly. But I guess no, I, the thing that I do, i probably say it's wrong, Chris, but um, uh, I always leave my lawn a little bit longer this time of the year. Of course. Um, but in doing so, you know, by raising up the lawnmower, I, I just use that as a leaf collector. Why not? I just go around and you know, once a week sort of collect all the leaves up with the lawn cutter on quite a high setting and i think from memory leaving the cutter a bit higher is good for the winter isn't it so it that certainly when the frost come yeah yeah they don't get that's it. such a good idea peter and it, yes you'll you'll also as you're 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 harvesting your leaves that way probably cut them up a little bit mulch them a little bit as yeah, you're lifting. yeah it does. so that means you can obviously create some leaf mold and that's the other thing if you've got a lot of, of leaves um, yeah, create some leaf mold. So that usually means getting yourself a um, uh, you know a wire, something which is very open for composting. So not your traditional compost bin. Right. You use some chicken More wire. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or get yourself some uh, black sacks. You know these refuse sacks and put your leaves in there. Get a garden fork uh, and fork over so you've got plenty of uh, aeration in there. And if you've got a part of the garden, you can put these out of the way so they're not not too noticeable. Within two years, you'll have some nice leaf mold from those compost, bags as yeah, well. Yeah, because it makes a wonderful compost, doesn't it? it or does even just as an addition to the compost heap? That's right. Yeah, yeah. A, a yeah. Great one. And I suppose as well, we're talking about compost heaps. If you haven't got a compost heap set up, this is really the month to do it um, because yep. you're getting so much material coming from your vegetable garden and from your your containers perfect way of, of starting the you know the, the season off with some nice good green material and of course then that gets you in the mindset then to start collecting things from the house for home composting through the winter 
and uh, elsewhere, I suppose. Um, bulbs, really, indoor bulbs, with probably thinking about Christmas, dare I mention That's that. true, yeah. High yeah. time, sort of scented hyacinths, mm. isn't it? Yep. Time of year again to yes. get them so they're ready for Christmas. Yeah, I was looking on, on our shelves the other day, actually, we have things like the uh, Narcissi Paper Whites. They're another okay. good thing. If you want something a little bit different from your hyacinths, of course, the ones you tend to buy are, as you say, prepared, so they're pre-programmed to flower within sort of eight weeks of planting. I mean, the secret really is, isn't it, if you're going to grow uh, plants for, for uh, forcing for the for Christmas, pop them up individually if you can, put them in a nice, cool, dark place, yep. give them a good water in, check them perhaps every fortnight so there's plenty of moisture around the roots. And, of course, they soon spring into growth if they're prepared. So within sort of four or five weeks, you can start then taking them out. And um, if you generally don't bring them all out at the same time, you stagger when you bring them into a cool room. The cool room, that'll bring your, your display on from probably the middle of November onwards. Hmm. And if you're clever and you're savvy with your planting, you should have, you know, wonderful hyacinths right into the new year. In fact, I think planting them a little bit later is, is quite nice because it's nice to have lots of scent in January when, you know, the, the Christmas... There's not many things in flower. Indeed, so. yes. Yeah, so paper whites and are good and you can also do that with some of the tulip varieties too. But, uh, okay. yeah, so keep, keep you nice and busy if, if you're wanting some nice uh, colour in, in the home. And I guess also time to think about putting the tulips out for next year mm, for yes. spring and daffodils outside i mean when's the best time to plant them chris yeah so certainly your your, your um your crocus your narcissi um a lot of your uh alliums snowdrops uh, snowdrops muscaria yeah muscaria grape hyacinths uh winter acognites yep um they can be they can go in now october is a really good month i would be tempted to just wait a little bit before putting my tulips in i'd probably wait okay. the, towards the middle to the end of, of october for those and with tulips you can plant right through we know uh, when we were chatting to uh taylor's bulbs um, yep. last year they were saying that you know planting well into the winters is not a, a bad thing provided you can keep your bulbs in a good Good, good state. good state, yeah, so keep them cool uh, and, you know, choose wisely. It's interesting, one thing I've done at the garden centre, um, I've created a bit of a list for, for our staff here of the varieties of, of tulips which are more perennial in their growing habits. Okay, yeah. Um, and I'll put the list on the on the the, 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 uh, the, the podcast show notes because there's mm-hmm. some good varieties out there which will come up year in, year out. Well, I put some Red Riding Hood in last yep. year. Mm-hmm. And I'm really keen to see if they come off again next spring because I hope they did. They did quite well. And it's always fun to see them come back up again, isn't it? Well, they're on the, they're on the list, so that, that's good, yeah. But there's things like Spring Green, they're on there as well, and Apple Dorm. There's some really good varieties there. Some, obviously, we stock. Some of you will find out in the in the big wild world. But, yeah, if you're wanting to, you know, grow tulips in containers which you want to flower every year and you're not too fussed about, you know, taking them out and replanting them, then these, that this list will be probably for you then. Perfect. Now, it's unusual for me to be prepared, Chris, but um, I was just thinking, some, uh, sometimes I, I do get ahead of the game, and uh, obviously with frost coming in the winter, 
probably not a bad time to be buying fleece or those sort of fleece bags that mm. you can put yeah, the, over is it, your... Yeah, is it fleece jackets, isn't it? The jackets. Is that, is that what they call them? Yeah, yeah, I think they're called jackets, yeah. So perfect for your, your more uh, more tender plants. Um, but certainly, yeah, make sure you've, you've got it to hand because the worst thing, of course, with Jack Frosty does sort of creep up on yeah. us. And uh, if you're there, if you're watching the weather forecast and they're saying, you know, minus two, minus three, you can get out there and, and cover... Um, I noticed I've, I've got a few of my house plants outside. They are definitely coming in, in the next few days now. Uh, they've had a holiday outside. They've had a good holiday, but they need to be brought in. And if you're bringing any house plants in, just make sure you do a check over that you're not bringing any slugs and snails and any other unwanted pests in with you as well. <laughs> Otherwise, you might find that they cause a few few issues. And if you've got obviously the problems with vine weevil, if you've got if you're planting up your pots for, uh, for for the winter, you know you put in cyclamen and hookeras and uh, and such like. Maybe you know invest in some of the the vine weevil killer or some of the nematodes yeah, to yeah. control those as well. Um, be try be one step ahead with with some certain pests. And uh, you know vine weevil is one we can be on top of quite easily. Excellent. And I suppose we should really be starting to think about spring and garlic and spring onions, shouldn't mm, we? Yes. So um, it's always interesting when, the, when the, uh, the spring bulbs arrive, usually two or three weeks later, we get a, a nice delivery of garlic and all the, all the onion sets for, yep. for next year. And it's probably worth mentioning, in view of the weather this season, if you can get your onions and garlic established this winter, you're going to have a much better chance of getting a decent crop because, of course, we're going into the, the into the autumn with a decent amount of moisture in our soils now. That's going to get the plants really well established. You're going to be four, six, maybe eight weeks ahead of your crop if you sow in the or do any planting in, in the spring. In the spring. So, uh, I mean, you say it's uh, the soil's a bit moist, uh, moister now. Yeah, my allotment is still really dry. Yes, would it be? beneficial to be watering them if you are planting them if your soil is dry yeah definitely i think um, because usually um your onion and your your garlic tends to follow usually a leafy crop on your rotation normally so those those crops will have obviously taken and they'll have a lot of fibrous roots so they'll have taken a lot of moisture out of the soil so yeah it might be worth doing a little bit of soil improvement so that you don't have to go too bad they often say a little bit of phosphate so sort of bone meal type fertilizers for the roots is good for a root crop um, if your soil is very depleted, again, if we've been putting lots of water on that crop where where you're going to be planting your, your onions and your, your, your garlic, that might be the case. Uh, but yeah, I would certainly water them in if the soil is dry. Give them a good amount of water just to settle those roots, to bed the, the, the bulbs in. And okay. then there's a much better chance for them to, to establish. And then just keep an eye on the watering for the next sort of four or five weeks if you know it continues yep. as dry as it has been. Great. Thanks for that, Chris. And just thinking about watering, Chris, um, I've noticed my house plants this time of year sort of don't need as much water. Mm-hmm. Normally, I just give them a good sort of drowning once a week and let them then dry out. And good. now they're it's about every two weeks that they yeah. need the, the the sort of amount of water. Should we be feeding them as much? I mean, they normally yeah. get them maybe once a month, once a twice a twice a month they'll get some feed, but. Yeah, I think I think we should if they if they these are uh, house plants which are flowering. So if you're growing your, you know, you got your azaleas, anything which is in bloom, running up to Christmas, your poinsettias, your cyclamen. Okay. So a little bit of feed 
to, to help to stimulate the flowers on those. For your foliage plants, you can you can give them a little bit of feed, but just reduce it down to perhaps once a month. It really right. does depend on the way you're growing them. If they're in lots of good, you know, artificial light, if you put some artificial lighting in your in your house, or you've got the, the thermostats, you know, moved up a little bit, and you're keeping your plant your house a lot warmer then proportionally those plants are still going to grow. So it's that balancing act of, of, of growth, you know, uh, rather than obviously the environment as well. So if you get a nice sort of equilibrium there, yep. you're going to be there. But I would certainly say well, with, with my house plants, I've got me things like my prayer plants, my spathyphyllum, my peace lily. They're getting a feed now. Probably I'm just reducing the amount of that. Because I'm not watering as much, the yep. feeding has to be then a little bit more defined, you know. So, so if you half the watering, maybe half the feeding as well. So that's probably a good rule of thumb, actually. And nice. remember, with most house plants, the rule is let the compost dry out. Easy with peat-free compost, but no, but any compost, let the plant because those roots still need lots of oxygen. Yep. And of course, if you keep putting lots of water on, you you drive out the oxygen, and that's when you get you run into problems. Okay. And that's because of the nation of, of, of houseplant lovers, that's why we kill so many plants, because we're just being over-kind, over over-generous with the amount of water we give them. So again, it's getting that balance right. And it's for some plants, Peter, it's, it's easy. Other yep. plants, it's a bit more demanding. And therein lies the the skill and the, the art of, of, of learning about you know, the plants you're growing with. But the more you, you, you know, you're working with them and seeing how they're responding, and like we were chatting a little bit earlier, you know, you know, feel the weight of the plants. Um, yep. I, I'm a great believer of picking plants up and, and feel that if the plant feels dry, give it a water. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. I, mean, my, I generally sort of feel the bottom of the pot mm -hmm. and so sort of the air holes in the bottom and the yep. top of the pot. And you look, and if it's looking like even a little bit sort of, I always think dark. Mm, I yes. put my finger on it, and yeah. if mm. the soil sort of sticks to my finger, I generally think, well, that's probably got enough water. Yeah. But if it comes away totally dry and nothing's sticking to your fingers, other than obviously cactus spikes, um, <laughs> <laughs> I recommend it. <laughs> then um, it probably it does need mm. water. That's really interesting. Yeah. Thanks for that. But, Chris. but I think realistically as well, you know, we're dealing with lots of different types of plants. You know, foliage plants. The bigger leaf plants, certainly you might have something like, a, you know, philodendrons or monsteria, you know, this good old Swiss yeah, yeah. cheese plant. I mean, I noticed the other day when I was watering mine, I was a bit overzealous. It was in a, in a pot and I gave it a good water. The water ran out of the bottom into a saucer. Yep. And I thought, oh, I'll, I'll get that clear. The following morning, around the edge of the leaves, the, the plant had guttated. It basically perspired. It was trying to get rid of the extra water, wow. which I, I, I put on there. So plants can tell us quite a bit. Um, so if you get a, a lot of moisture running around the edge of the leaves, and this is in a conservatory, which is reasonably warm, it's yeah, not yeah. because of the that is an indication that you're overwatering. Some plants show it quite dramatically. And that's the first time my Swiss cheese plants definitely not... Wanted any more water. I don't yeah. think I've ever seen that, but then it's probably because I don't water my house plants there very often. <laughs> <laughs> Something to look out for then, maybe. Yeah. Well, thanks for all your tips this month, Chris. They've been really helpful as always. And Thank you, Peter. I guess let's hope for a great apple day and. If you don't fancy that, let's go and do a bit of wassailing. A bit of practicing anyway for it, certainly. Yeah. Brilliant. Nice one. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Today's show was brought to you by Buckingham Garden Centre and Nurseries. The show was hosted by Chris Day and Peter Brown. The show was produced by Peter Brown. 
and our thanks to Chiltern Music Therapy for providing the music. Thanks for listening. At Chiltern Music Therapy, we want everyone to know the difference that music can make in their lives. From parents and their premature babies in hospital to grandparents with dementia. We provide music therapy and community music services to people of all ages and needs across England. We work both digitally and in person in people's homes, care homes, schools, hospitals and hospices. Find out more at chilternmusictherapy.co.uk.